When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On 9-11, our nation made a commitment to never forget. Since then, it's been the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honoring those words with action. So many people gave their lives while saving others on 9-11. Tunnel to Towers carries forward that legacy of courage and heroism by honoring our country's military and first responder heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Superhero movie fans, rejoice! Rejoice! We had the best week ever. First, we started off with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Amazing. And then we went right into Falcon and the Winter Soldier the very next day. Boy, oh boy, are we going to talk about it. Now look, I'm here to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least briefly talk about Justice League and the fact that Zack Snyder... Your Superman had finger waves, and guess what? I'm here for it. He was giving Fantasia a run for her money. It's the weekly bonus episode of Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2. Let's get into it. Hey, guys. This is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick host of the Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture, everything from reality TV to the MCU to the DCEU to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever damn day or whatever time of the day you're listening to this. I hope you're listening on Saturday, the day it comes out. That would have meant that you just watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier the day before and you're ready to talk about it. But look, of course, I'm going to get into it, but 
I would be a terrible comic book movie fan or comic book fan in general if I didn't talk about the amazingness that we got on Thursday. Now, I'm not going to talk about it too deep because I actually I'm working on a little project. I'm getting into the video side of things. So I'm going to drop a little Zack Snyder video that I want y'all to critique and stuff for me before I really start dropping stuff. Y'all know I'm getting ready. I'm gearing up for the Patreon. It'll come at some point within the next few months. So. I'm I'm getting that out. You know, I'm 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 testing the waters a little bit. I'm gonna put out a longer form uh Zack Snyder Justice League video. It's gonna come at some point. Hopefully the same weekend that this drops, but child, you know, Amazon, uh you still paying for prime shipping, but they don't get shit to you no more in two days. I don't know what the hell going on at Amazon, but I'm just over here politely waiting for the rest of my belongings. I don't I don't know who I need to talk to. Uh Jeff Bezos or McKenzie, somebody, y'all, you know, run me my shit now. But anyway, let me just touch on Zack Snyder's Justice League for a minute. I mean, wow. Uh, Josh Whedon, you should be ashamed of yourself. The first version, you know what? I never really had just like the biggest problem with the original Justice League. It felt rushed. It felt it felt a lot of things. It definitely wasn't a Marvel level movie. Even if you know you're used, you're used to a little darker of a movie. I know Marvel doesn't always give us that, but boy, oh boy, that Josh Whedon, your shit sucks. <laughs> I mean, it sucked compared to when he put this out on Thursday. That was an uh, epic ride. Now, I, I, it's hard for me to say that anything is perfect. I'm not gonna give him perfect, but it was definitely much closer to perfect than the previous version. I would give it a solid, honestly, a solid nine out of ten. My biggest qualms, of course, was the damn length. Now, you got to listen. Rewatchability is a big factor of mine. A big factor. I like to be able to, you know, put a movie on uh, uh, and, you know, I don't mind going to sleep to it or put a movie on and you can watch it and then go about your day later on or put a movie on and, you know, you want to watch it. Then you might want to do something else afterwards. If you want to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, you got to take half a day of PTO at least, or you got to, you got to clear your schedule that evening after you get off work and don't do nothing else. That is a four hour long movie. And it's, it doesn't necessarily always feel like it's four hours, but I think my issue was at some point someone came in a room and I was talking to them. So I paused it and I was like, man, I was like, yeah, I think I'm almost finished. This is such a good movie. And then I looked at the the time bar going across the screen and it was only halfway done. And I saw two hours and some odd. I was like, wait a minute. Two. I've only been watching this for two hours. Good. So it's like, I don't care who you are. Four hours is a long goddamn time. That is a long time to be sitting watching the movie. My legs was cramping. Y'all know I do intermittent fasting. I had fucked around and got hungry. It was, it was a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, kudos Zack Snyder. This is as, close to an epic and when i say epic i don't mean just mean like great i mean like a literally like a written like sonnet form epic like the odyssey like it's as close as you get to an epic in movie form that you can probably get so kudos to him i like the fact that look let me tell it superman had finger waves in a movie and i was here for it okay (laughs) who it's not a lot of directors that have balls enough to uh give a white superhero finger waves so you know fantasia i know she's shaking in her boots right now i know effie and i'm not effie (laughs) essie and marie from the bell collective i know they are shook right now they like wait a minute superman stole our style yes the fuck he did yes the fuck 
he did. I like the uniforms that he did in the movie. Superman, I love that he chose the all-black Superman costume. Probably one of my favorite things about it. I love the new uh, Steppenwolf. Looked way better than the one in the first movie. Uh, it just, everything about it. It's, I said that rewatchability was probably my biggest qualm <laughs> with the movie. But I plan on watching it again this weekend, honestly, at some point. I'm going to sit down and watch it. So let me stop saying it's not rewatchable because I'm definitely going to find time at times to watch it. But after this weekend, child, I don't know. I had to fit it in my schedule. I had to take a week off podcast and I get, or watch an hour here, watch an hour there. I don't know. Y'all help me out. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure it out though, I guess. Cause ooh, that's a long ass movie. I don't Anyway, the reason we're here, let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yet another, I mean the opening sequence. Oh God. Let's just get into it because bravo to Marvel for constantly. They took a risk with these Marvel TV series because they didn't know how they were going to pan out. They didn't know how many subscribers Disney plus was going to have, but I, I think they knew that they could bet big because we were going to go wherever they, they came. We were going to follow them and man, oh man, are these TV shows paying off? Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. And if y'all watched that episode, and if y'all know anything about me, my Instagram, or you've listened to this podcast for a long time, then you know I got some thoughts on a lot of things. Not on that, not on actual, you know, this show was amazing. I'm not critiquing that. I got some thoughts on the shit that was going on in the show. And I'm ready to talk about it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's go. My best good friend, Anthony Mackey, a.k.a. Sam Wilson, opens up the show, ironing his shirt and getting dressed. And we can, you know, we we can hear in his thoughts the voice of Captain America, or should we say, to be more specific, Old Man Cap. And then, boom, opening title. It was the Old Man Cap from that bench at the end of Endgame. And I gave y'all some homework. I doubt y'all did it, but anyway. The opening credits, you know, very sleek, very simple. It was a black background with silver font that said the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think this is to kind of, if I had to guess, kind of let viewers know that we're in a more Marvel feeling project, if that makes sense. One that's not nearly as chaotic as WandaVision. This one will have like a lot of action the entire time because one, it's six episodes as opposed to like nine or 10, like the other series will be Two, the lengths are a lot longer. So like you saw, this one was close to an hour as opposed to WandaVision episodes being like, you know, 25, 30 minutes and three, no mythical or magical powers, just straight like brute strength and guns. So we as viewers have to kind of shift our focus from a show that's like as experimental as WandaVision to show something that's more grounded, you know, with on the face, real world problems that we got to face head on. We cut to Sam, AKA the Falcon, who's on a mission. We can already see the amount of money that's kind of gone into this, making this show just from this action sequence alone. We learned that a criminal organization named LAF, I was about to say laugh, but whatever the hell it is, LAF, uh, they're targeting a man named Captain Vassant, who's like some kind of liaison for the American military. The mission is to get him safely and to make sure that LAF doesn't deliver on their threats, but he has to be subtle. The man makes sure to tell him that, look now, you can't be going up in there fucking up shit. You got to make sure you're subtle with this mission because technically 
America, you know, they can't be violating the treaties and uh, doing stuff in this region and all this kind of stuff. Sam gets one of his very big hero moments. You know, we always look, I think a Deadpool talking about, you know, uh, superhero landing. He gets one of these moments where he falls backwards out of the plane, uh, a visual that, okay, stick with me here. The visual of Sam falling out of that plane, you know, just for a while, just falling, and then the wings coming out. Did it remind anyone else? It felt like a nod kind of to Captain Marvel, you know, right when she figured out how to fly. So she was falling towards the ground, stumbling, but then she just kind of relaxed everything, her body, her head, her mind, everything. And she had like this mental break, not mental like breakdown, but like a mental breakthrough where she like finally figured out that like she could do anything. So she starts flying. It just reminded me of that moment a lot. And I feel like it's Marvel's way of saying it's a new sheriff in town, bitches. You got to get used to it. And then, of course, you know, his wings pop out and it's off to the races from there. Sam has a contact on the ground whose name is Torres who is kind of just feeding him intel. That's his whole job, basically, while he's on the ground, seeing where he is, giving him intel, uh, sending stuff to Red Wing, all this kind of stuff. Now, of course, comic book fans, y'all know this name, Torres, or his first name, Joaquin, Joaquin Torres from the comics. He actually takes up the mantle of Falcon in the comic books. But that only happens, you guessed it, if Sam takes up the mantle of Captain America. Now, is this foreshadowing for the actual show? I don't know. I, I don't work at Marvel, but it feels like it could, right? I mean, it feels like the most logical thing. This character, Joaquin Torres, he was as much in the episode almost as Sam and as Bucky. So it feels like maybe we're setting him up for a bigger future in the MCU. And if that's the case, I'm here for it because I mean, I like the character a lot in the comics and I liked him on the actual show. So whoever casted him, good job. That, that was a good one. Sam flies over the plane and he peeks in only to discover that it's already been hijacked by this LAF terrorist organization, whoever it is, who I think is really just Hydra of either a branch of Hydra or something. Hydra's still in the mix. Hydra never really goes anywhere. So I feel like they're a branch of Hydra, especially that coloring that they had on them, uh, them parachute jumpsuits, as I call them. <laughs> we, we, we'll figure that out later on. We still got some time about that. The real pilot had, had actually been shot in the head and killed, and an LAF member was actually flying the plane. Sam gets spotted during this moment, and he flies away. He kind of lets go and just... You know, he he way more comfortable in the air than I'll ever be. You know, I'm good on the plane. I love flying. That's my shit. But no, nah, he I don't know if I I couldn't be the Falcon now. I could be the 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 hedgehog or the <laughs> the lizard or something on the ground. I couldn't be no damn Falcon. This is when we actually see a familiar face. Now see, did you guys do your homework that I assigned you last week on the pregame episode? Or y'all just listening for fun? Did you do your homework? If you watched Captain America Winter Soldier recently, then you recognize, drum roll please, Batroc, aka from the comic books, Batroc the Leaper. If you remember the first mission that they had in that movie, Winter, Winter Soldier, Sam and Natasha, not Sam, Cap, Steve and uh, Natasha and their team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents actually infiltrate a boat to uh, free the captured S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And then Cam has to fight, not Cam, but why do I keep messing with this man's name? I keep trying to combine, see, 
Y'all gave us two Captain Americas. Now I keep calling the man Cam and uh, Sam and all kind of shit. Not Cam, not Captain. Steve Rogers has to fight this man on the deck. That's the exact same guy he had to fight. So, you know, we love a callback. He's back and he's still up to no damn good. See, in the comic books, he's Baytrock the Leaper. And he's been, you know, Fulalan and uh, Hey Kiki and, and Hey Soul Sistering with Captain America for decades now. Sam does a scan of the plane and he sees that the captain that he needs to save is still alive. Woo, good job, okay. And on board. Whew, thank God. But he getting his ass whooped by them other people. Okay, not so good anymore. <laughs> Sam sends Red Wing. Now, y'all know Red Wing. That's the little red mini plane type thing that's on his back. That's back of his, uh, his armored wing suit type thing. He sends it. And, you know, that's Stark Tech now. So, it goes. You know, sometimes it can break into a lot of pieces. This time, it goes. And it actually, like... Uh, makes an entryway for him. So it makes a whole new door on the side of these people playing. Now I would have sued the shit out of Sam, but that's just, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. After he made this entryway for him, Sam proceeds to whoop ass and take names. Once he gets on their plane, a child, that's until they start shooting at his ass. He ain't <laughs> all he can do then was just use the wings to block this. They was shooting like hell at his ass. That's all you can do. I don't know what they uh, listen. Uh, take what you can get. But don't worry, because his wings, you know, they made it at that good material. You know, it's that, that good Stark material, I guess. Now, I don't know if he stole some vibranium from Wakanda when uh, they had that ass over there. I don't know what happened, but, you know, he got, he, you know, they, they figured it out. Before Sam can actually get to Captain Vassant, uh, I keep wanting to say Batroc, but it's Batroc, ambushes him from behind and a fight ensues. Now, if you're a Marvel head like me, or if you've seen the movies enough times at least, what does this scene remind you of, at least visibly? Captain America versus Batra on, on that damn, on the top of the deck on that same movie that we were talking about, Captain America won a soldier. Coincidence? I don't know. Again, I don't work at Marvel. I just point the shit out for y'all, you know, break it down a little bit. That's my whole job. I don't work there. All I do is just foreshadow a little bit, hoping that I'm going to call the right stuff off. But I was the one, I was the same person that was telling y'all Mephisto was coming at some point in WandaVision. So take that with a grain of salt, okay? I don't know. We might just be, might not be foreshadowing at all, but it's something to think about. You know, we get, we, we get, I feel like we get a lot of callbacks in this show directly to Captain America moments. I mean, I'm going to point them all out as we go, but well, not all of them because they're about 17,000. But I'm going to point out some of the bigger ones that y'all can take notice of that are direct callbacks to some of the other movies. Now, listen, the action scene that ensues with Sam Wilson, a.k.a. Falcon, and these people in these parachute bodysuits is everything. I think... I mean, it has to be one of the one of the best like flight action scenes I've ever seen in movies, and we know that's possible because you know Marvel and Disney they got the money to do it. So, and this scene looked like a whole lot of money. I mean, it was like they used GoPros and they used real. It was a lot, you know, the CGI and all a whole lot of stuff, and it was some good shit. It was definitely some good stuff. I've never seen these before, but. You know, these little parachute bodysuits they had on, but I kind of want one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I don't really, I feel like I don't go jumping out of planes 
as often as I should, maybe. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, hell. I don't know. But maybe I can just have one for around the house. I love this sequence, though. They do this whole, like, almost car chase scene, but in the air, while Sam is using his wings and LAF, they're using these parachute bodysuits. Chat see that I I bet if Kim K end up wearing one of these, then suddenly all of a sudden everybody gonna be trying to get them some parachute bodysuits. I don't know. Sam is running out of time because he's on the clock before they actually like pass over the border. So he's gotta get uh Captain Vassant before they actually cross their point. He's running out of time, he's doing all these stunts and flips and dips, and uh his boy Torres on the ground, Joaquin Torres actually warns him that he only has like 90 seconds left so sam starts dodging bullets he's dodging missiles you know he dodging whole helicopters everything he goes straight to the other plane that batroc is in after having red wing like you know kind of redirect the missiles because now they fall into a whole nother helicopter somehow i don't know how the hell they got there but they're there and now these wings or these uh missiles have been redirected by red wing to go directly at that helicopter sam flies through it he gets vasant the missiles blow up the plane and all is well except batroc escapes once again now this is the second time we've seen this man escape and i'm sure that's very important so i'm sure he's going to pop up again either in this series again or somewhere in the movies you know he he tends to be he was like you know what he reminds me of Claw before Claw got killed in the MCU movies. If y'all don't remember, Claw was the guy from Black Panther who met uh, T'Challa in the club. Not T'Challa. Well, T'Challa was in the club, but he met Agent Ross to sell him the vibranium that he found. And he got killed by Michael B. Jordan later on in the movie. He reminds me of him always doing bad and uh, popping up in situations he's not supposed to be in. Because remember... We first met him in Age of Ultron, where we first met Wanda Maximoff. And, you know, he went up to, he up to no good in that one, too. So I'm, I'm seeing some similarities. So I'm guessing Batroc is going to come back at some point. We definitely haven't seen the end of him. On the ground, after all of this that happened in the air, Sam and Torres are eating. And Sam is sitting there kind of rebuilding and fixing Red Wing by himself because he said Air Force be fucking his shit up. Now, I know that's right. Do it yourself. All because they don't know how to rebuild Stark technology. That tracks. What we know about the MCU, you know, we we know it. It's during this scene we find out that Sam Wilson knows Arabic too. Come on, Sam Wilson. Let me find out you got just as many degrees as uh Tiffany Moon or Dr. Wendy Ocefo. You know, bilingual, got engineering skills, doing rescue missions. Y'all better quit playing with Sam Wilson. See, y'all never gave him his credit as an Avenger, but now he here to show y'all quit playing with him. I know that's right, Sam. Torres tells him about another group that they have to worry about, and they're called the Flag Snatchers. Terrible name, but, you know, that that's straight up out the comic books. They're an organization that, in the, in the MCU at least, they believe that the world was a better place during the blimp. Now, they say that they want unified, they want to be unified without borders. And if you don't know, they're saying that the world was such a better place when Thanos has snapped half of y'all asses away. Now, see, I kind of feel like if I was in Marvel movies, I'd be a, a flag snatcher. I'm not going to lie. If I just so happen to make it, I'm like, you know what? The roads ain't nearly as crowded. It ain't as much pollution. I'm like, you know what? This ain't half. 
bad. I'm just saying. No, you know what? Let me let me stop. I guess I would wish y'all back in child. I guess. Anyway, now, oh God. I feel like did I explain it enough to y'all? Y'all, y'all. When I say the blip and the snap and all that, y'all know what I mean. You know, Thanos had the the six Infinity Stones and that gauntlet, and he snapped his fingers, and half the universe got dusted away. But then, you know, like in WandaVision, we see Monica Rambeau in the moments when she came back, she was uh, uh, reformed, and and now she was back in existence, and just like billions of other people on Earth, yada yada yada. Taurus says. Trust me, it wasn't better. <laughs> and this is when we kind of get some depth, uh, kind of what we'll be seeing on the show, because Sam says, you know, trust me, when things get better for one group, they get worse for another. Now, look, y'all better quit playing. Y'all know what that man talking about. Quit acting like y'all don't know. Quit acting like y'all don't know. Quit acting like y'all don't know. Y'all know what that man talking about. Most of y'all listening to this, watch the American news cycles, and y'all know exactly what that man talking about. Y'all know. Now, y'all know this wouldn't be me if I didn't hit y'all with a couple of side notes. So let's get into the first one. Side note, we also kind of find out uh, that the world is basically theorizing about what happened to Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. Why is this funny? Because it's meta. And, oh, God, if you don't, you know, meta is when we kind of, us, they point to something that we know about, but it's not, it's like breaking the fourth wall on reality TV, but not doing it as obviously, but it's something that if you kind of catch it, you're like, oh, 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 okay. They're theorizing what happened to Steve Rogers because basically we were in real life too. So it's kind of, it's holding the mirror up to us, except we were kind of doing it in a slightly different way. We were doing it from the standpoint of people critiquing a movie, they're doing it in the standpoint of people that actually live in the same reality as Captain America. You know, Torres says that they were theorizing that Sam flew Steve to the moon and that's where he lives now. In real life, you know, after the movie Avengers Endgame came out, all of the fans were arguing about Steve's disappearance and his reappearance at the bench and how that was possible. You know, some said that the Russo brothers who directed the movie fucked up the movie and the continuity and it didn't make sense. Others said it made perfect sense that Steve went back in time and stayed there and, you know, had the perfect life with Peggy Carter. And then he was just now, you know, making it to that point in time. Others were like, no, that was a completely different reality all their own. And other people had their own theories too. You know, if you get on Reddit, it's a whole rabbit hole that you can fall down. But this is what they were pointing to in this scene. And, you know, we know that WandaVision, the uh, Marvel TV series that came directly before this, they gave us a lot of meta moments too with that stuff like, you know, on the Halloween episode, when the kids were like kick ass and you know, Evan Peters obviously was there. That was a meta moment too, because he was playing the new Quicksilver, but we know that the original Quicksilver was played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Both of them, of course, starred in the movie kick ass. That's what you call meta. Now let's get into side note. Number two side note. Let me also tell you what was particularly, particularly, I don't know, captivating about this little conversation. The theorizing that was going on about him living on the moon. So for all of my comic book movie and TV show watchers out there, you don't necessarily need to be, you know, a comic book reader because both of the things I'm about to talk about have been made into TV shows and movies. Captain America on the moon. 
a hero on another planet or another celestial body reminds me immediately of two different characters, both who are outside of the Marvel universe, comics or movies. One of them being Luther from Umbrella Academy. Do y'all watch Umbrella Academy on Netflix? If you don't, you're missing out. I love me some Umbrella Academy. I wait for it every single season. You know, I tell y'all about Umbrella Academy and the boys every single year. Love it, love it, love it. It's based on a graphic novel and they're all great too. You know, I, I read things other than Marvel. You know, yes, I do. You know, a little, I'm what they call multifaceted. Yes. It's, you know, in the comic books, Luther, you know, he's, and on the TV show, actually, Luther is like beyond perfect. He's just the sweetest guy. Incredibly both super hairy though. Cause they inject, I won't ruin anything for you. You find out, but he's played by Tom Hopper, who, if you remember, if y'all are Game of Thrones fans, he was the guy he wasn't the original actor, but he was Sam Tarley's brother who we met. Do y'all remember the big battle scene? I want to say in season seven, maybe I think it was the season before the terrible last one, the scene where Daenerys and Jamie first have their like big encounter that big, that big, big, big battle. He played, uh, Oh God, what's the character's name? Who knows? He was Sam Tarley's brother. Uh, Dickon? Yeah, remember? Uh, what's your name? Dickon? Rickon. Yeah, Rickon. No, Dickon. This is Dickon. And they were laughing at him. Did that character. He's the one that plays Luther on the TV show. So go check that out. Getting his ass burned up by, uh, <laughs> by Daenerys Targaryen. The other character that this reminds me of. So the first one was Luther from Under Umbrella Academy. The second one, for all my Watchmen fans out there, y'all know I love me some Watchmen. I love the Watchmen uh, comics. I love the Watchmen movie. I love the Watchmen TV show with the incomparable Regina King because you know there's never been anything that Regina King has done that I've hated. This reminded me of Dr. Manhattan. So, you know, Dr. Manhattan, though he's not on the moon, he lives on Mars. You know, they sent his ass up there. He was he was living on Mars after uh, the woman tried to say he gave everybody cancer because he was literally like glowing energy. And so he freaked out. He left and he went to Mars and he created his own like little society there and just lived there by himself and, you know, not bothering no damn body. It reminded me of both of those. So it makes me wonder, like, were they theorizing this because of the, like because it's been done so much in comic book characters? And you know, Marvel actually has their own people on the moon in the comic books, at least one of the guys who's going to come in. I won't ruin anything about that show, but you'll uh, get to learn about the Watcher in the What If series. And so you learn about him. He's actually set up on the moon, too. And different characters in the comics have gone up there, like Nick Fury, and you know all like that. I won't, we won't get into that because that's that's a whole another rabbit hole to go down. Sam goes to Washington D.C. and he's giving a speech at the Smithsonian about all the things that Steve Rogers stood for and basically why he was the motherfucking goat. Okay, better than I man. Anyway, things, <laughs> a few things to pull from this little speech. One, less lesser important, but still super incredibly very important is Sam saying a few months ago, billions of people reappeared after five years away, sending the world into turmoil. We not only once again hear like, you know, it being echoed that shit is weird for everybody now, including the people that stayed and the people that have now come back. But we also actually get a time frame of when this show takes place. So we know WandaVision, the events of WandaVision happened roughly like nine days after everybody was snapped into a, you know, back into existence. And 
basically the at the end of Endgame, nine days after Endgame, is when WandaVision takes place. This takes place about six months later because Sam referenced six months at some point during his conversation with Torres. So now we have a little bit of time frame. You know, it might not seem as important now. You know, why is it important? Duh, motherfucker. It might not seem important now, but everything in the MCU is important, especially time, because, you know, we might see that other events directly affect some of the stuff that happens on this show, or this show might affect future TV series and movies that we actually going to get. So it's always important to note the time and when stuff takes place during this stuff. Sam also says that we need new heroes, which leads to the more important part, which is him basically deciding not to take up the mantle of Captain America. He says we have to honor Steve's legacy, but we also have to look towards the future. Sam says the shield belongs to you. And you know, everybody clapping and applauding with their fake asses. Before moving on, it's important to know, though, that we get a cameo from James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine. Y'all know War Machine. That was Tony's right-hand man, his buddy, you know, originally played by Terrence Howard, uh, <laughs> crazy ass. But then he asked for $20 million to be in the next movie, and they said, ah, ah. And so he got replaced by Don Cheadle, the GOAT. Next to him in the audience, though, important to know, there's a random high-ranking official who, after he gave the speech, he tells Sam, it's important to remember, he tells Sam that this was the right decision. Just keep that in mind. And so, after this, Sam and Rhodes walk off and they have a black man conversation. See, I need to make that theme song. I like that. They go and have a black man conversation. I'm going to get a little theme music for that next week. Every time Sam talks to a, a, another black man, I'm going <laughs> to get a little theme music and I'm going to play black man conversation. They're just catching up about life. And then they start talking about why he didn't actually take up the mantle. Sam basically says it feels like it belongs to someone else. And that someone, of course, is Steve Rogers. Then they talk about, you know, how bad the shape of the world is. Child, just like our damn world. Ain't nothing nothing changed here. Rose says, you know, uh, it's a new day, brother. I'll be in touch. All this guy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important because, you know, two men with similar experiences are sitting here talking about, you know, why he didn't take up this opportunity. You know, he's the perfect person to uh, basically succeed Steve, but he still doesn't want to do it because it doesn't feel right to take up their role. But him not taking up the mantle was to be expected, you know, since we we know we got to stretch the show out. You know, Sam has to go on a journey. You know, we, we got to see him go on a journey. That's the whole purpose of these shows. But I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that this was a little bit crazy. Let me actually throw it over to JV to give his opinion about this shield. All right, this is JV from chicago aka the land of harold's chicken um i watched the episode one thing that really stood out to me was the great speech that sam gave and it was very sentimental and it was great and wonderful and all that but um i wouldn't have gave that shield back i'm sorry that is something you do not give back that is one of a kind that is it's, it's like a bentley or a collector's edition aston martin or something like you don't give that back that's like a Mariah Carey gave you her mic. You crazy. I would have that encased 
in my coffee table and like a glass coffee table, the whole uh, living room is centered around it. It would have been sitting on my mantle. Oh no, he crazy for that one. I know that's right, JV. <laughs> they would have had me fucked up too. I would have had that motherfucker on eBay. I would have sold the hell out of Captain Shield. Look, y'all see uh Sam struggling in this damn movie trying to buy, trying to keep that boat from his sister and all that. Uh uh. -uh. I would have sold the hell out that shield. I know Jeff Bezos or Mark Cuban, somebody would have paid a couple of million for that shield and I would have let their ass have it. I wouldn't have been struggling. But hold on. Let me give y'all another side note. Y'all see JV threw a little shade at me, didn't you? <laughs> if y'all listen to my uh, reality TV recap episode this week that dropped on Thursday, y'all know I went in on... Uh, Chris from Mary at First Sight talking about Chicago having the world's best chicken. And he talked about he brought Harold's chicken to her. And y'all see JV brought up the Harold's chicken. See, you better be able to catch that shade. I'm telling y'all, y'all better catch that dirt. If they throwing it, you better catch it. Jump to somewhere else in the world. And we enter what we later find out is a dream sequence of James Buchanan Barnes, a.k.a. Bucky, a.k.a. not Bucky from Flavor of Love. <laughs> I know y'all be thinking it. I'm just saying it. Not that Bucky, not Shay, not her. Nook, 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 nook. If you Bucky, boy, that's what I'm talking about. Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. Captain Steve Rogers' best friend. This dream sequence is important because we know Bucky used to be an assassin, after killing his target in this dream sequence, he actually notices a young man is fumbling with his key to try to get in his apartment. He goes right over there and he puts a bullet right in this young man's head and then he awakens. And we notice that he's, he doesn't awaken in the bed. He's sleeping on... His apartment is pretty empty, first of all. And he's sleeping... I, at first, I was going to say uh, it was a super small apartment, but we didn't realize he's in Brooklyn, New York, so child it, it might have been big for brooklyn i you know i got friends that live in new york and every time i come i'm like Ooh, what is this honey so you know i did new york i'm not gonna say nothing about it so but he was actually sleeping on the floor and you know we've kind of seen this in different like i don't know if it's you know we've seen it in different media tv shows where we see soldiers of war come home and they sleep either on the floor or they find somewhere else that's a little harder to sleep on instead of a soft mattress. They always say that, you know, the bed is too soft and it's almost uncomfortable for them. And so I wonder if that's, if that stems from like real life or if that's just something that's been played out on TV so often that now it's become a trope to use that in military men on TV. I don't know. I'm wondering that if anybody's in the military and you've, you know, not necessarily been to war, I guess, but if you're in the military, let me know that. I'm, I'm curious to know that, actually. We figure out that, you know, he's sleeping on the floor and then boom, therapy session. And Amy Aquino from Bosch on Amazon is the damn therapist. Chad, you know what, Amy, I'm going to let you live just this one time, just this one time, because we got bigger fish to fry, okay? She asked him about his nightmares and all the recent events he's been doing and stuff like that. He's very closed off. She has to remind him. And, you know, she, she takes a little bit of time to world build for us. You know, I love, I love a little world building. Let me know what's going on. World build for me. She lets us know that this is one of the conditions of his pardon. So now we know, okay, Sam and Bucky both 
have been pardoned. That's why they out here. Cause you know, they was, they were two whole fugitives <laughs> living, uh, uh, you know, as wanted men before the events of infinity wars and Endgame. And now after that, I'm guessing it, it lets us know that the government, you know, sees them as heroes again. They're good guys and are just now realizing that, okay, we won't, prosecute them we'll we'll pardon them instead since they put up they put up such a fight to actually save us and that they're responsible for bringing all those billions of people actually back to not necessarily earth but from what they know back to earth bucky is lying about not having nightmares so amy aquino <laughs> i don't know what her therapist name is so we just gonna call her amy Amy brought out the therapist's notebook and she starts writing in a very passive aggressive way, which she knows will get him talking. So he starts talking, of course. And this is when we find out that she gave him three tools to remember for making amends for his sins. While of course, you know, taking names off his list. He got a he got a whole little list that he keep and he gotta take the names off of it. The rules are one, can't do anything illegal. Two, nobody gets hurt. And three, he has to say, I am no longer the winter soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes, and you are a part of my efforts to make amends. And every time he says that part, he does this little smile that just that kills me. So funny, so disingenuous. He really just wanted uh, to murder all of y'all, but he's like, you know what? <laughs> These people just forgave me. Let me not uh let me not backtrack just yet. I'm backtrack on y'all as one day, but not yet at least. Hell. It's important to know that Bucky is keeping that list, though, like I mentioned earlier, which is just like yet another parallel to the Captain America movies. Think back to Winter Soldier. You wouldn't have to think that hard if you did your homework. Just saying, when I get your homework, I'm like the teacher. Just go on, do it. Go on, do it. I won't steer you asunder. Do your homework. Remember, Steve was trying to learn like all the new music and movies and all the pop culture in general because he was really trying to catch up. He had no interest in being alone. He wanted to get out here. He wanted to make new friends. He just wanted to, you know, he wanted to live and learn in this new society because this wasn't his society. He had been on ice for 70 so years. He was ready to get back out there in these streets, as they say. Bucky, on the other hand, is not. Bucky has this list of people that he wants to, you know, make amends to in his own way, you know, so he can rejoin society too. But it's like an entirely different kind of thing. You know, Steve is doing it in a way where he's like, okay, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. Bucky is kind of doing it, you know, hesitantly as something to like basically stop the nightmares and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, two different ways, but I guess we're going to try to get to the same outcome regardless. Amy Aquino, the therapist, asks for his phone and she finds out that he has like less than 10 contacts. He's been ignoring messages from Sam and the only person that he's called all week is her ass. <laughs> Basically, Bucky lives a very private life and has made like no effort to rejoin society in any kind of meaningful way. But then we hear Bucky's side of the story, which we really don't consider enough. He says that he hasn't really had a moment to deal with literally anything that's happened to him. He had a moment of calm in Wakanda, which, you know, that's, I, I always hope that Bucky ends up back in Wakanda. You know, the, the one the one white person in Wakanda, just like uh, Agent Ross was. But 
I always hope that he ends up back up there. I'm praying that Bucky gets with one of the beautiful black ball headed Dora Milaje warrior women and becomes a girl dad like Kobe. And, you know, he has all the, the white wolf children that uh that he can hope for. You know, that that's if he don't end up in a, a situation ship with Sam. Hell, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what damn direction this show going in. So, you know, I'm just saying. After Wakanda, he went right back into fighting, which he's done for literally 90 years. All he wants is peace. And Amy Aquino says, that's some bullshit. She gives him a little pep talk uh, to get him out of it. But child, we, we don't know if that work or not. That man was upset that she called his him wanting peace some bullshit. So hell, he might go out and kill somebody tonight for all we know. Cut to the streets of New York City, Brooklyn to be exact, where we see Bucky's neighbors arguing over trash cans, and we see his relationship with Yuri, who is just an older gentleman. They go to a restaurant often, and we see that like the man is basically Bucky's only friend. We don't know why, but we find out why. So, like, maybe, you know, I, I, initially I was thinking... Maybe he has some kind of kinship with this man because he's an older spirit and you know Bucky's over a hundred years old himself. At least it's what I feel like that's what I feel like we're supposed to think in this moment. The older gentleman then like tells a young, beautiful woman behind the bar that Bucky wants to go on a date. And he's like, Oh my god, that's crazy. She's like, you know, why is it crazy? Let's go on a date. So they end up getting set up on a date. So good job, Bucky. She said, you know, come back at the 10, boo. You know, I'm going to wind the place down. I'm going to wind my waist when you in the place. You know, she she go set the mood. You know, they go play a little board game, a little pinochle, or a uh, battleship. You know, they go do the damn thing. Yuri told him, you know, he starts getting kind of upset after the woman walks off. And Bucky's wondering why. He tells him that his son, while he was studying abroad or working abroad, was killed. So Yuri told him that the police said that his son was literally just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And all he's ever wanted to know is just what happened to him. Now, it's at this moment where most of us put two, you know, two and two together and realize that Bucky might actually make amends to Yuri or might need to because... Why else would someone, you know, why else in a movie or a TV show would we get this bomb drop when someone's talking to a whole assassin? Somebody that's been assassinating people for 20 years. I mean, not 20 years, for 90 years. So, I don't know. That's the way it, it makes it seem. Then, of course, we get that confirmation later on. Next, we see Sam returning to Louisiana, where apparently his family was born and raised. Now... You comic book fans might be raising an eyebrow. In fact, let's go to Shannon because she says what a lot of us comic book fans were actually thinking and wondering in this moment. Hey, Kendrick, this is Shannon. Um, I was just calling with a comment because when they show Sam driving through Louisiana, I got really excited because I thought he was going to see Monica Rambeau. But then clearly he's from there and makes the comment that he always has to rep NOLA. Um, since that's not where he's from in the comic books, do you think they changed it because Anthony Mackie is from New Orleans or is there going to be some kind of deeper connection with the Rambo family or is it just because, as Anthony Mackie said, Louisiana is the best state in the union and New Orleans is the best city in the world and they just want more characters from there? 
Can y'all tell where Shannon's from? <laughs> that that Louisiana love. Listen, Shannon, tell them to bring back Southern Charm New Orleans. That's all we want in life. Bring back SC Nola. Bring back SC Nola. Shannon, that's actually a really good point. I love that theory about Monica Rambeau. And, you know, we met Maria Rambeau in Captain Marvel. And they were in Louisiana, of course. And... That's actually a really good point. I The only thing that makes me hesitant about that is I think Monica lives in New York as well because I think that's where S.W.O.R.D. is. Now, I'm not sure because, you know, Wanda went to S.W.O.R.D. and then she drove back to New Jersey where, uh, you know, she lived in Westview in, uh, in WandaVision. So it makes me think that she's probably up there like near like Avengers Tower, you know, where, which, uh, where Avengers Tower was no more, I guess. But... It makes me think she's not there, but I don't know. Maybe that's an easy way to involve her in their show or to maybe get them together in some way to do a mission or, I don't know, a romance. I don't know, but that's that's really good thing, and I hadn't thought of that. I actually have a couple of theories about this, though. So we know Marvel plans ahead. They plan things ahead. Like, literally, we're talking about, like, WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier right now, they're thinking like six, seven years from now already planning out uh, the third installment of a, a new Avengers series and all this kind of stuff. So we know we know this about Marvel. That's that's nothing new. I wonder if they've known that this show would be a thing for so long that if they put Sam in New York that it would be too easy for him to find and reconnect with Bucky, which appears to be kind of like a part of the show or at least like an upcoming storyline or something. Since we know from that therapy session that he's been basically ignoring Sam's calls, Sam, you know, I I'm guessing that's where this is going. Like maybe if they were in New York, he could just pop up on him and then we wouldn't have any kind of suspense, but it makes it seem like maybe if he needs to be down there with his family, then him calling Bucky is a way for him to get ignored. And then it gives him a reason to go up there and find him. Like, Hey, a lot of shit is going on. The air force is telling me that this group with the red handprint face, <laughs> with the red flaggers and the flag snatchers, they, you know, they're doing something bad. I need a partner. You're the only person I trust since we both lost Steve. We both know that pain. Let's do this together. So that's just my theory. Now, will it come true? If, if, if that the case, I don't know, but we'll see, I guess. Sam pulls up to the harbor and he's talking to his sister and they're talking about once again, selling the boat. And, you know, she's making a decision because, you know, they need the money. It's really important. Sam, however, he tells, he's like, look, I got a plan. I got a plan. Okay. I got a plan. He thinks that, you know, they can get the money to fix up the, you know, the boats for charters and that kind of stuff, basically to get a loan and consolidate it. After the back and forth, she finally agrees to, like, at least let him try to get the loan. Child, I know she wish she could take that shit back now. Back to Nuck If You Bucket with the pretty eyes. He shows up to his date with flowers. Come on, romance. That's that romance straight out of the 1920s. That's a, a, a old Humphrey Bogart movie. Come on, uh, Bucky. Random. I love the line that she asked him, like, kind of as an icebreaker. She says, so, have you dated much since half of the fish in the sea came back? <laughs> it's weird to think about the snap in those kind of terms. I just love that. But, child, look, 
the, the options are already slim, but now Thanos then fucked around and he didn't got rid of half of my options. Hell, on a good day, only what 3.2% of people want to date my ass anyway. And now you've gotten rid of half of them. Raggedy bastard. See, they actually have a good convo. Let me move on because Thanos almost made me mad. They have actually a good conversation. She even asked him how old he, how old he was. And when he says 106, 106 in part, and when he says 106 years old, she starts laughing because, you know, she think that man joking, child. That man, all right. They end up playing a board game. It's during this board game that she tells him the story about Yuri and she sympathizes with him because, you know, she says we have a term for an orphan, you know, when parent, when children lose their parents and we have the term widow or widower when a, a spouse loses another spouse, but there's no term for a parent who loses a child. This apparently touches Bucky to his soul. I guess he didn't know that she stole that line from TV, but it, you know, it, it touched his soul and he was, you know, a crying and all, you know, he, he got the hell up out of there. He goes to Yuri actually to confess. But of course, when he sees Yuri and he looks in the background, he sees this shrine to his son. He chickens out. He uh, look, don't be chickening out now, Bucky. Nuck if you buck indeed. <laughs> if you go buck, nuck. You got a nuck if you buck, Bucky. And you got there and you, just, I was about to say a word. You got there and you uh, pussyfooted out. Don't do it. Before we get to that scene, y'all know what scene I'm talking about. I want to address Sam and his sister in that kitchen because they took me out. They're in the process. They're making plates. And she's saying that he's doing the most. And Sam said, you know, I don't play with these white folk. <laughs> Listen, representation matters. Finally, we have a superhero that sounds just like me while I'm at work, okay? <laughs> I can't tell y'all how many times I walked over to one of my coworkers and I'd be like, look, Patty better take her ass on now. Patty better quit playing with me. I ain't got time to be playing with Y'all know I don't play with these white folk over here. Patty better quit playing with me. Or I'll go over there. I'm like, look, y'all. Vicky bullshit and I'm tired of Vicky shit. Uh, you know they child, you know they love to do a damn potluck at work. They come up in there with that shit they made at the house. Uh-uh. I be telling y'all, I don't care if you black, white, or Puerto Rican, Chinese, or Asian, I ain't discriminating. Hey, uh, I don't care what you eat. Don't make them at your house for potluck. Buy it out of the store and just bring it. Go up to uh, Gus's chicken on the corner and just bring it. Don't make nothing at your house because I'm not going to eat it. I don't know if cat's been jumping across your pot or the dog went up there licking on it when you went to the bathroom. I don't know what goes on in your house. I don't trust people. Don't cook nothing in your house for potluck. Go up there to, uh, you can go right up the street to Popeye's. They, they cater now. Y'all can get the catering menu at Popeye's and just bring some chicken. Bring a large coleslaw, something. Do not cook at your house. I don't know how the hell I got on this tangent, but let me move forward. The fact that she's selling plates or she wanted to start selling plates anyway, listen, I love to see it. <laughs> One thing you can always count on a black person to do is sell some plates. Damn it, they'll sell a plate of food when they need to make ends meet. I promise you, I got a cousin that lives around the corner from me named Lily. Now, let me tell you about Lily. Every Friday, Lily is in her kitchen and she is throwing down, throwing down for the whole Memphis, okay? Not just for my area, the whole Memphis. She cooks 
Philly cheesesteak egg rolls, buffalo chicken egg rolls, cheeseburger egg rolls, fried chicken wings, extra crispy ranch on the side with fries, loaded baked potatoes with with, uh, scraps of chicken and shrimp and bell peppers and all that in there. Uh, 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 Creole pasta from scratch. You know, she makes her her Alfredo, her spicy Cajun Creole Alfredo from scratch. You know, we don't buy that can. We don't do it at the can. Not in Memphis. We don't do can. Can, okay, do you hear me? Lily throws down. Okay, black people, one thing they go do, they go sell plates. And if you catch her on Sunday, let me tell you about Lily. Lily does soul food Sunday, baby. She'll be in there making oxtails, neck bones, macaroni and cheese, cabbage, greens, yams, cornbread, all of that. You know what? Let me go ahead. Let me get back to the show because I didn't fucked around and got hungry. Cut to Switzerland. Torres is on the ground of an operation with the organization that he mentioned earlier, the Flag Snatchers. The folks with the red, like, handprint on their face or the helmets or whatever. <laughs> what did the five fingers say to the face? Smack! <laughs> I cannot say fingers without thinking of that. Let me shut up. They're giving out masks all over the, the little, like, town plaza or whatever that they're in. And a message comes through on his phone that says, R-E-N-N, Ren. All, suddenly, all hell just breaks loose. Now, yes, I looked up what Ren, R-E-N-N, means in Switzerland. First of all, I had to figure out what damn language they speak in Switzerland. Then I had to translate it. So, you're welcome, okay? <laughs> so, apparently, they primarily speak Swiss German. And Ren in Swiss German simply means run. Now, R-E-N-N and R-U-N, you probably could have figured that shit out. For some reason, it didn't click to me. But in regardless, you welcome. Everybody took off running. They were knocking over trash cans, uh, pushing over children. It was all kind of shit going on. One of the guys with long hair and the red palm print on his mask kicks a police officer. And I mean, he kicked him with, uh, with the strength of Jesus. That man went all across that street. So obviously, he's a super-powered individual as Hayward said back in WandaVision. Then he proceeds to whoop Torres' ass. Now, see, Torres, I don't want to say you got what you deserve, but that's what you get. See, that ain't even your damn jurisdiction, and you trying to arrest people. You can't be surprised when you get your ass whooped when all you all in them people business, and you don't even uh, you don't even you you don't work there. You just visiting, and you sit up there trying to pull your gun and arrest people out, and see that man whooped your ass, and now you trying to uh play the victim with Sam, child, I guess. Okay, let's get to that scene. That scene, Sam and his sister go to the bank to try to get a loan and the loan adjuster or whatever the hell the title is keeps trying to figure out where he recognizes Sam from. Obviously, you know that man because he's the goddamn Falcon. He's the damn Avenger. You know who that man is, but he, the first thing out of his mouth is, did you play at LSU or something, sir, sir, please come over here so I can stamp your first class ticket to hell. Okay, get the hell out of my face to be more to be more exact. If you who did look this scene did a lot to me. Okay, if you can't tell by watching this first episode alone, this show is going to deal a lot with race and race relations, especially, you know, we know what year it is. It would be tone deaf 
if a man like Sam, a black man, was taking up the mantle supposedly of Captain America, who's been the li- literally the most lily white role in history, if we didn't address everything happening and race relations and all this kind of stuff. So you need to expect this kind of scene on this show. We've seen it in real life, in TV, in movies, everywhere, where black men are reduced to their physical appearances, their physical attributes, their physical prowess. This dates way back to like slavery times when black men would, you know, be put up on the stage and they'd be judged on their muscles and their build and their stature and how many bales of cotton they, they can brag about the slaves for picking and just so they can fetch the highest bid from a whole nother slave owner. Sam is actually sitting here kind of playing it up because he really wants to roll. But sis... Oh, sis, she's seeing right through that shit. The man is asking for selfies and all kind of stuff. But every time Sam tries to get serious, you know, he's like, look, we're trying to make the change from a, a you know, a fishing model to a charter model. He's over. He asking all of the questions that ain't got nothing to do with this damn long. Now, he does ask him, though, the question that not just comic book fans, but movie fans have been asking all along. He asked that man, how do you get money? Now, see, I want to get more specific with this. So let me call upon my favorite damn fool (laughs) to address this question that she had this week. Hey, it's Kaya from Bravo Wild Black. I'm back again with another question. So please get used to hearing my annoying voice. I would like to know why the hell is Sam Wilson broke he can't even get a loan even though he was gone for five years however bucky can afford a loft and a nice ass therapist on like the upper east side of brooklyn or wherever the hell he is please kendrick let me know what the hell is going on in this racist okay you know what i don't even want to go off just let me know what's going on This question is so funny to me because it's literally something that people like the the MCU fans, the Marvel comic read, like everybody, everybody has always wondered this because it's never really just been like explicitly explained. So like the, the best we can do is like we know from the comics, Tony Stark used to foot a lot of the stuff for the Avengers. Otherwise, we don't really know how other superheroes get their money, how they make, you know, how they had them nice ass houses and apartments. That that mean, you know, some of them had daytime jobs, you know, like the mutants, they're hiding in plain sight. So they, you know, they had jobs and stuff like that. But the Avengers, most of them, that's their whole job. So Tony, I guess, was taking care of them. I don't know if Sam, you know, we we saw Sam in Winter Soldier. He had his own house and, you know, he was at the VA and all like that. But then... I don't know if he moved into Avengers Tower before he got destroyed, but I don't know. He came down to Louisiana. I guess maybe he needed to be with the family. or I don't know, but I guess that's as, as good as we go get. I was assuming this entire time that, you know, like Tony Stark before he died was footing the bill and like maybe giving him a stipend or something. I don't know. You know, Wanda was living in the Avengers Tower when Vision was too. I assume he was giving free room and board, you know, uh, uh, paying tuition. You know, I don't know if the people's in college, but I'm just saying. It's, it's, we All we could do is theorize because no one had ever said anything. So 
Sam tells the man that he, he gives us an excuse of his own. He says it's mostly goodwill and the rest is people doing favors and helping them out. He says that, you know, they've had no income for the past few years. And the sister's like, uh, well, how the hell we supposed to have no income when the man was dusted? Like, what the hell we supposed to do? You know what it was like these past five years. You know, she, look, sis getting him together, okay? Dusted like billions of other people. You know what the hell was going on. Don't ask about the last five years. Like, you don't damn know. This, uh, this is great. I, I love that Sam acknowledged that goodwill, though, because that... That all helps a lot, you know, like, because this is supposed to be goodwill. Like, damn, that's an Avenger. Get a man alone. It's not like he go run off and steal your money. I don't know. That's just a little crazy to me. But anyway, he said, you know, Sam kind of bucks in and he says that, you know, I have these government contracts. And he's like, I know for a fact I qualify for an SBA loan. The man said, well, that was under new terms. He's like, look, everybody, you know all these people have come back and now we've had to change the rules. Look, everybody wants to place bets on the Negroes playing in the NFL on Sunday, but they also don't want, they want them to shut their damn mouth and not speak up about stuff that affects them and their communities and all this kind of stuff. Y'all know, y'all, y'all follow me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, don't get, don't make your political issues my issues, but I still want to bet on you. And, you know, you're a fire, you're a fine stud. So, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just saying the sister said, of course, we don't qualify for anything anymore because you always move the finish line. The man like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Not me, not me. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, sir. You know who the hell we talking about. He he hit him with that. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm uh, I'm not racist. Everyone else is not me. Well, he didn't say that, but you know, <laughs> he didn't say it. But I I read between the lines. Y'all know shit. And the fact that they've literally banked with this bank, their family for generations, and they still can't get approved for a loan. That's absolutely insane. It makes me wonder though, because Bucky got that nice ass apartment. Why the hell Sam them can't get no damn loan, but Bucky got approved for a New York apartment, child. I guess let me let me find out. That apartment better belong to somebody. They better be rent controlled. They better be a uh, Monica Gra- <laughs> Monica Geller grandmama apartment or something. I don't know. I, I I don't like that. The bank won't give them the loan. They go back outside to the truck, and guess what they start doing? They start taking out them damn fish plates or a Creole jambalaya plates, whatever the hell they made in their kitchen, and they start selling them plates. I know the hell that's right. That just goes to show y'all, look, they go black folk go sell a plate or whatever the hell they got to do to survive, okay? Don't worry about us. We going to be okay. Even if we got to live check to check, that's all right. What's really great about them highlighting all of this stuff, though, on this show is that not only are we seeing it from a black man's perspective and learning, you know, like the, the kind of stuff that they have to go through and hear and ignore and all this kind of stuff is we're also seeing it from the point of view of a veteran. This man was in the military. So we're getting a live look at how soldiers come home and literally, like, so many of them become homeless. Like, we, you know, we do all this stuff where we say, you know, I'm proud to be an American. I want to support the military, yada, yada, yada. But then when they come here, we don't have enough programs in place or enough uh, mental facilities to help give treatment. We don't have enough of any of this kind of stuff. 
but everybody wants to say, you know, we love the military and we support you. We just support you from afar. Ain't that some shit? So we're getting a perspective of both of those. And I love that because it's a glance that we need to like be forced to look at. And what better way to look at military issues and black issues than through the lens of Marvel, because everybody's going to watch Marvel, whether it's a show a movie, whatever it is, we're going to be forced to watch it. So, I mean, if you ask me, this is one of the perfect ways to actually address all of this. And I love it. Sometime after all of this madness, Torres contacts Sam and says that he needs to hurry up and get on the secure line and call me basically whenever you can. He gives them the, you know, kind of the lowdown of everything that happened to him in Switzerland. And it seems like based on everything that he's saying, Sam has some theories, but he won't say it almost sounded like that call was about to end by him saying, do you think it's another super soldier? Now, of course, this might actually be the perfect segue into bringing Bucky into the picture. If he's one, you know, if he told him about this guy that that kicked that police officer to hell, basically (laughs) kicked that man clean across the street and then proceeded to whoop Torres ass. Can we assume that this one is he super powered, but also two is we know that Captain America movies deal with, a, you know, a super serum. So are we kind of assuming that somebody on this show or these people have gotten this super serum like a hold of it and they've taken it themselves? Like we got to figure out what's going on. Maybe it seems to me like maybe this is another super soldier serum and that's what sam was about to say but he was also hesitant to say it so maybe he's going to end up needing bucky's help because who else knows about a super serum other than bucky and of course captain america so go where you can and figure it out most importantly sam's sister after this call comes into the room and she yells you gotta see this she turns on the news and that same high-ranking government official that was standing next to James Rhodes, AKA war machine at Sam's press conference at the Smithsonian. The one who told him he was making the right decision not to take up the mantle, by the way, is now on the news. And he says unrest in the wake of recent events has left everyone vulnerable. Everyday Americans see it. While we love heroes who put their lives on the line to defend earth. We also need a hero to defend this country. We need a person who embodies American values. We need someone to inspire us again, someone who can be a symbol for us all. And then he introduces, drum roll, the new Captain America, a.k.a. not Sam Wilson's black ass, a.k.a. U.S. agent. Now, in comics, this character has been retconned quite a few times. He started off as a character called Super Patriot. Then he became, you know, the new Captain America. And then he became what we know him as really as U.S. agent John Walker. I think that's the role he's going to be playing on this show. So we don't really have to worry about Super Patriot or, uh, well, I don't know if we have to worry about the new Captain America. But he's basically U.S. agent is what he's going to be referred to on this show. Raggedy heifer. Now, see... Before I end this episode, this is the last thing about this episode. I could go into talking about the credits because there was a lot on it, but I want to break down that speech a little bit. He talks about the unrest that's going on and what everyday Americans are seeing and how they love their heroes and all this kind of stuff. But then he says, we need a real person who embodies America's greatest values. Now, see, 
their speech is getting a little uh, 2016 through 2020. I'm just saying. It was getting a little, you know, you know how everybody in the world was fighting during them years. And, you know, I mean, listen, I'm, tr- I'm trying to act like racism just started in 2016. Just bear with me. <laughs> but, you know, it's a lot of that stuff. It, it felt very that very aggressively right wing, but very covert at the same time, not overt racism, but covert racism, basically saying that Sam definitely couldn't be the man that America needs right now. It needs to be somebody brand new and somebody, I mean, let's just say somebody shiny and white. That's going to be what we're dealing with on this show. And because that's the things that, Sam Wilson was dealing with in the comic books. They actually, I think it was Nick Fury that actually actually nominated Sam Wilson in the comic books to be the new Captain America. And one of the characters actually said, oh no, I don't think America is ready for a black Captain America. Now look, we see this often enough nowadays as it is. Every time, uh, you know, when, when a movie company or movie house, movie studio traditionally doesn't have a lot of black characters in lead roles. You know, they'll have a lot of side characters or uh, a lot of extras or something like that. Something where they're not in the main position, where they're not in the forefront of the movie poster. We'll see now that some companies are trying to right their wrongs and are trying to give minorities, women, you know, which are trying to get everyone representation on screen. And so we know the MCU is doing a lot of that, but we we see you know we we see a lot of that now across all of the movies where they're you know they're trying to see if they can make a clear you know if it won't change the story too much if they change the ethnicity or change the race or you know they did a lot of things change the gender the the socioeconomic status if they change any of these things would it affect the story and if not, can we go ahead and change it to where we can actually give some people some representation? When that happens, America or the people in the, let me be more specific, the internet trolls or the, the communities that are determined to push hatred, do they never respond well to this. And it always becomes about a million things, everything other than the fact of just saying that, I don't want that because it's not the white one that I know. And so it becomes a whole thing. And that's really what I think we're going to be dealing with a lot on the show. This person who was told you made the right decision by not taking up the mantle was quickly replaced by somebody that they had already been grooming, already knew who they wanted, was already in the military, just like Sam was. Keep in mind, Sam was right back working with the Air Force. He had been pardoned because he was an Avenger. He put his life on the line. He saved, helped save and bring back all these people as far as they were concerned. But they still, he still wasn't good enough to be the Captain America that they wanted. Why? Because he didn't have the skin color to be so. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at Housewives Marvel Podcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Switching and saving with GEICO is easy, so you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like, is the word dictionary in the dictionary? If so, it probably says something like dictionary, noun. A dictionary is the word you are reading now and the pages they were printed on. Basically, this thing you are looking at right now that you're holding, reading words from, it's a dictionary. As in, hey, look at me. I'm holding a dictionary in my hands as I read the definition of dictionary. Yeah, it's probably something like that. Switch and save with GEICO. It's easier than you think. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.